Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus. Bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The racebooks has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you bet you win you get paid bet us he's been a coach he's been a scout he's been an administrator he's landryfootball.com and we welcome in chris landry right here into the game hey chris i hope all is well hopefully you've had a great week my friend picked up the telephone well and uh, ready to get after it again Absolutely. Alabama played pretty good in that bye week, though, didn't they? They, they looked pretty good on <laughs> yeah. Those are, I tell you what, it is, uh, I am uh, was asked today um, on another show about, you know, what, what we're looking for with teams coming off of bye weeks, is particularly in the case of like Alabama that has it every time, this time every year, is, is just what adjustments you can make. Because there, there's some things you can do with a bye week, and I know it's recruiting and getting healthy, but it from a schematic standpoint there's some things that you can do and and i think this will tell us a lot not this week's performance but going forward what can they do to improve their situation the rest of the year and it'll tell us at least what they think about this team and what their capabilities are well and you you look at it um i mean how much time can you do in the season from self-scouting how much time can you really spend self-scouting in the in the season when you don't have some extra time like the bye week well that's what the analysts are for so the analysts the analysts will and and it is very difficult um i can tell you and uh, i have the bloody eyes to 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 show for it when you know in my days when we didn't have all the staffs and everything you'd you'd spend extra time doing that uh you might even spend time when you'd go on a road trip and you'd you'd you know, when the meetings are over, you, you get ahead. But with these analysts today, that's part of what you can do. So just for example, they take every play that is that they've run and they scout themselves like they'd scout an opponent. Every situation and with the digitized way that video is now, you can take every play in every situation. So every third down and plus territory, every third down in red zone, every third down – back in your own end, so on and so every second down, first down, what have you, um, you can really get a feel for what it is that you do and what you've done well when you've done it and what you try to do is break those tendencies. So like, okay, if, if you know, we, we are showing a tendency to do X, we need to, we need to do Y a little bit more. Well, we won't change what we do, but we will have the same look but do something different out of those looks. That's that's part of what you want to do, self-scouting. And you can do that, but imagine with the extra time 
you can get into it a lot more because you've got, you know, extra time to get ready for your next opponent being LSU. And so you get those analysts have extra time to even go in more in depth, but you, you try to do that when you have a staff as big as Nick has all along. Is there a risk to over evaluate? I mean, can you do it? I mean, can you over? Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's where you think you got a, you know, your experience of coaches to say, yeah, well, okay. Like we, you know, it's fine to say, people say, well, you got to do something different. Well, you do something different if you're capable of running that. And if you got guys that can run it, you know, you can say, well, we ought, you ought to run this. Well, no, if you can't block it that well or you can't run it that well, you're not very good at it. That's, that's part of what you do in your game plan every week is you go in with a big old game plan, like an hourglass. And then based upon how you execute it in practice, you start throwing things out that, you know, it's great. This might be a great look against this opponent, but if we can't execute it, what good is it? So you start to do that. Well, I think you can do this in your self-scouting is, okay, look, yeah, we we are doing certain things well, but maybe we're a little predictable. We'll do those things in different scenarios or with different looks. I think the best teams and the best teams that do the best job, Ryan, is – there's certain things, regardless how good you are, that you do better than others. It's just, I don't care what it is. So do the things that you do well, but use window dressing to camouflage it. Meaning you could make it look different pre-snap to make people think something else is coming. But you do very little things or try to, to do very little things out of different looks. That way, you maximize repetition on the things that you're doing really well, but if you use, whether it's stemming your front on defense, showing different pre-snap looks and coverages, whether it's uh, pre-snap motions on offense, different alignments, that's that's window dressing, eye candy, whatever you want to phrase it, that, that um, you know, I think all the great teams, you can even go back to like Tom Osborne's and Nebraska teams. They ran very few things, but boy, they'd run some of it out of different looks, Sometimes they didn't even do that. But when they did it, what they changed was the looks. Now, I think the game has become a little bit more sophisticated today and with tempo and everything. But I think when you do things, do different looks, even though you don't do as many things out of them. Chris, let's go back to the weekend of college football. Um, Is there somebody that maybe just played well, I mean, I, there's so many different ways that you could go. I mean, you could probably spend the next hour, you know, answering this one question. But uh, w- was there one team that played above the rest that you said, man, these guys went into the weekend. They had a chance to prove that they belong in the in, you know, this conversation of college football. And they just exceeded those or at least met those expectations. Anybody from the big takeaway? If, maybe Chris Landry team of the week or something. I, I don't know. If well, I mean, I think most people would point to Michigan State um, because that was a big win. Now, let me say this, and, and all of that's deserving, and Ken, Kenneth Walker is outstanding. I don't know how Wake Forest let him out of Winston-Salem, but be that as it may, um, I thought Michigan outplayed him for the first half. And, and you know, but, but it's an example of if you outplay somebody, but you come up with threes instead of sevens, I mean, they left 12 to 16 points on the board, and then they left the, the door the crack in the door open and Michigan state came back and I thought they were mentally tougher, more physical, and they were able to run the football and just kind of, you know, 
take that crack in the door and just bust it wide open in the second half. So they jumped out. The other one is Auburn. I thought Auburn did a tremendous job, particularly defensively in the red zone against Ole Miss. I thought they handled them very well, did a really good job, and they impressed me. It wasn't a lot of surprises. I mean, if you think about it, it was more I, – I don't know that I've seen a two-minute stretch, game clock stretch, <laughs> where it goes from – a that was a 3 nothing game going on in a halftime, Ryan, and it ended up being 24 nothing. It was like, wow, I just watched it, and I'm like – I need to watch that again. It's like, I think I missed something. You know, it was just right in front of me. Those things jumped out at me. Um, You know, there wasn't, it was kind of one of those innocuous weekends. Um, I, you know, uh, Mississippi State uh, getting it done against Kentucky too was with 35 runs, (laughs) Mike Leach. That that was like, oh man! I Catching them by surprise, right? Yeah, I, I almost broke my chair falling out of it a couple of times. When, when he got up to 30 of runs. I think that that jumped out at me more than anything this past weekend. In a weekend that was devoid of, eh, you know, a lot of great drama or great games. I never want to play too much in a press room because there's things that, you know, you listen and you're like, okay, well, maybe maybe that's not what he really meant. That That's maybe not what he really meant. Maybe, maybe it was something else. Um but something awkward happened earlier this week when Dan Mullen was asked, and you and I have talked about struggling in the recruiting side of things, especially nowadays with, with college football. If you don't recruit, it's always been like that. But if you don't recruit now with the early signing period, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, a lot of people have complained uh, from Gator fans down in uh, that area uh, talking about Dan Mullen's not been the best of recruiter. Uh, he was asked about that on Monday and, uh, you know, talked about, well, you know, we'll recruit when it's recruiting season. Uh, did you take anything from that? I mean, was that something that – because I know it grabbed us, and it spent a lot of time talking about it here in T-Town. Yeah, and I knew when he said it. I knew what he meant to say, and I knew he stepped in it like, you know, a big old mess in <laughs> sure. a cow patcher. Yeah. And I said, oh, boy, this is going to come back to bite him in the keister. Uh, of course – what he meant to say, anybody, including them at Florida, they're recruiting all the time you have to. And with signing day in December, they're, they're, they're doing double duty. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, that most of the staff is including them. They're, they're gone in, in the, in the open, the bye week the open date because of recruiting, but he said it as he typically says things awkwardly, well, we'll deal with recruiting or whatever the exact phraseology that made it sound like, no, 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 no. We don't worry about recruiting. We'll take care of it. That's not what he meant clearly. But when you say it and it is justifiable, not for the comment, but when you look at recruiting, they're not recruiting that well. Um, I don't buy all the recruiting rankings, but if you look at it, they're about eighth, ninth, in the conference right now, and they lost their two best commitments in the last two, three weeks. And so, and we know on the heels of, they're not recruiting nearly as well as Georgia. And on the heels of Kirby Smart, the, this is why the question was asked. Kirby Smart after the game was asked about players and recruiting. And Kirby said after the game, you know, how it's all about players and it makes, you know, players makes coaches and all that. And then you got Dan 
that says that doesn't want to talk about it. I knew he was going to get hammered. And look, I think he needs to get hammered for the fact that he's not recruiting well. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a big deal that he doesn't want to talk about it. But and then I think he said on today's teleconference, I heard somebody sent me a note that he the first thing he did was, I guess, when he was on is amend his statements, Ryan, that I, I meant that I didn't want to talk about recruiting. And I do believe that. But the, the bottom line is there's going to have to be substantive changes there um, on the staff, not just Todd Granham, but um, I'm sure you know who Tim Brewster is, but Tim is a well-known recruiter. He is very unhappy. I think he's unhappy with, I think a lot of the staff's unhappy. I think we're going to see massive changes on the staff. Uh, I don't know that Dan will ever change, but he's going to have to look at how he's doing things. And they're going to have to look from stem to stern on stern on how they're doing things in the program and recruit. It starts with recruiting because um, I don't know that I would go so far as to say that Dan you know, doesn't care about recruiting. I think he does. But I think he loves the idea of winning games with perceived less talent. Ryan, that only lasts so long. You know that. That that doesn't get it done. And so if you're going to want to be at a developmental program, you should have stayed at Mississippi State. If you're going to be at Florida, you better recruit at the highest level because they can, and you better coach at the highest level. And right now, he's being out-recruited and out-coached, and I think it's not just the beatdown against Georgia where you're overwhelmed, but when you get beat by LSU, when you get you know beat and thumped and out-coached by Kentucky, those things, they're not setting well in Gainesville, and they're getting worse, and they're asking the tough questions, and he squirms, and it's just a never-ending negativity because he just doesn't handle that very well. He doesn't handle criticism well at all. Could you see... Could you see? I'm sorry. We the parking lot. Somebody's uh, that, that, that's that's the alarm going off in Gainesville. Yeah. Boy. Well, that, yeah, it could be. Somebody may be. Uh, no, I, I was looking to make sure my Toyota was still out there. So, uh, but uh, could could when you look at Dan Mullen, could you see him in the NFL? Because if you don't enjoy recruiting, that comes out. You can only fake it for so long. Well, I know that. Um, it was talked about him in the NFL last year. I know from firsthand experience, because I was involved in it, he, he requested an interview with the Jets. Okay. And I think they gave him a Zoom interview, but there was he was never under any real consideration. I don't know that he is as, first of all, he's not well-liked. And one of the things about Dan, he, the, the you know, when he doesn't come off well in the media interviews, it's also a, a problem. I don't know how many people know this, but before Willie Taggart was hired at Oregon, Dan requested an interview and interviewed with Oregon. Oh, wow. And the interview really went bad. It was like, I'm not going to tell you what the Oregon folks said because it's not airborne radio, but like this guy is a, I just let your imagination yeah. run wild. Yeah. I mean, it was like, this didn't go, you know, it's like, and you know, um, you know, you, Jeremy Foley, the former athletic director in Florida, did not want to hire Dan because he didn't think Dan he, – he was around Dan under Urban. And he thought that Dan would be tough to work with and nobody would like him. And, be, and, and so 
this was obviously a new athletic director there. Scott, Scott Strickland did it. And so I, I think as much as Jeremy missed some of the hires as well, and he made, you know, the, the mush champ hire and, you know, Jim McElwain hire and, um, you know, um, Ron Zook hire, uh, actually that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, um, uh, uh, that was that was Jeremy did that. Um, there was a couple of moves that he made that that didn't work really well. He Jeremy knew that this wasn't going to probably be as good of a fit. So I don't know. I, I really don't. It's up to Dan. The guy's a talented guy, but he's got a he's got he is stubborn to a fault. And I think if you think you got all the answers on anything, you're in trouble. And I think he's maybe. Ryan, he's humbled enough to recognize some of the things he's got to get changed because the other thing is I just don't know. I don't know that he is is well thought of and will be as well thought of and easy to work with in the NFL. In other words, I don't think he's as hot of a candidate as maybe he'd like people to think he is in the NFL. Well, I could be wrong. It only takes one, but I don't sense that. We're talking to Chris Land at the Alabama Scouting Report, and we'll take phone calls if you want to jump in. We've got a, a couple already on the line, and we'll take those in that next segment. But to go back to uh, to what we were talking about just a couple seconds ago, when you look, Steve Spurrier, you don't have to ask him for his opinion because <laughs> uh, when, when you think about him, he always gives you his opinion, right? I mean, it's always there. So yes. having him in the building, can that be a distraction? I mean, because he's he has an office in the building, and yeah. you know he's not just sitting there, you know, being a quiet mouse. I mean, he, he's talking. Um, can that be a distraction for that administration and, and that coaching staff? Oh, I think it it can be. I think it just de- it depends upon um, um it just depends on again how involved I, my sense is that he's embraced that 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 Dan has but but I but I don't I'm not there I don't know I mean I've seen it happen before you know when I um Michigan tried to hire me when Gary Moeller was the head coach and to my surprise it's called the Bo Beckler football building and so okay I could understand that they had an offers for Bo there uh but I didn't realize when I went to interview and Bo was retired, Gary Moeller was the head coach. Bo Schembrechler was there. And uh, he says, I want to visit with you. <laughs> That's what he said. It was like, I didn't realize he was that involved. And, but he was, he was, you know, those were his guys. Steve is not, you know, it's not one of his guys. I, you know, again, I don't know if, uh, if if the personalities, knowing Dan's personality and Steve's personality, I could see that being a clash, but I haven't heard it as that. And I don't know that Steve has butt in as much. I sure. think he's there. But, I, you know, I, I I could see Steve saying, yeah. Well, I mean, could you imagine Nick Saban in yeah. the building here? I mean, let's say that he retires and he just has an office here and comes in. He's a fundraiser guy. I mean, forget about if he say anything, just, just being there would be a – you know, a microscope. Yeah. The shadow's large. No, I think there is something to that. But I don't know that I think that certainly wouldn't explain the ineffective recruiting and the ineffective coaching. I don't know. And, and I'm not, and I'm, I know, I don't think, I know you're not saying this. I don't think it's Steve Spurrier's shadow that's causing Dan Mullen's problems. 
I think it's Dan Mullins can't get out of his own shadow, can't get out of his own way personally. But, yeah, I, I don't think that's ideal. E- even though he's there as a ambassador, yeah, I think that can be awkward. I, I, it would be awkward. Uh, I, I could see that. That's Chris Landry. This is the Alabama Scouting Report. We will take uh, calls if you want to tweet at us a question, things that we want to work in. We'll get to Tom coming up in a couple of minutes. Those phone lines open at 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904. That is Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is the Alabama Scouting Report with Chris Landry. As we get things started, we'll go back to phone calls coming up in the 4 o'clock hour for our score prediction contest. But if you want to be a part of uh, Chris Landry, if you've got a question, we've already got some of those uh, chiming in, and we're going to get to Tom. But, uh, Chris, before we get back to football, uh, let me just ask you, uh, are you a baseball fan? Did you watch the uh, World Series at all? I did. Um, I had it on and uh, I was watching some Mac uh, football at three games last night. I did have it on. And uh, like a lot of folks, I, um, and I grew up, when I grew up, we didn't have the cable wasn't out. And so I watched it, the Yankees cause they were on TV more than most. And then when cable came in, you could see the Cubs and of course the Braves. So like a lot of people in the South, they are the South team. Um, most people in Louisiana though, kind of, um, adopted the Astros over the years because it's so close and you can go over there. I know as a kid, we go to the Astros and watch some games, but yeah, watched it. And do, um, before, before I do this show, I do one in Atlanta every, every week. So they, uh, they're obviously very excited, but I had it on. Uh, and once they we were up five, nothing, I just kind of kept an eye out on it, uh, to see if it might be, uh, a, a comeback. And it clearly wasn't, uh, what a, what an impressive, uh, from the trading deadline on, what what a what a great uh, kind of two seasons and one for the Braves. Well, and, and and being someone who loves to analyze film the way that you do, and the one thing about baseball is it's like a chess match. You know, it's counter moves, and I know football yeah. is as well. But it's just it's fun to watch that if you get into the chess match side of baseball, uh, especially during the month of October when the pressure's on. I tell you what, when you there's nothing there's it's the most unique thing in sports is if you have like a pivotal game like a game seven of a championship series or the world series and you got you know it's the bottom of the ninth and the tying runs at second and you got one out or two, i mean just a no clock and it's like the pitcher's got the ball on the mound it's like a hold your breath what's gonna happen and it's fall off and a foul. I mean, it's just, there's nothing quite like that. It's, it's unique. Whereas, you know, in our, in, in football, it's, you got the clock element, other sports you have it. Yeah. It's, it's really unique, but Jack, congrats to them. I know that's a lot of people around the South are ex- exalting today. All right. This is a very random question. I mean, very random baseball. When you go in and, and they go the, the batting, uh, the warmups, hitting practice and all that. When you, when you're able to go in the locker room and you can do interviews prior to the game and uh, they open now COVID's different, but you could go in, but there's always one player that you can never talk to. And that's the starting pitcher. Nobody talks to him. None of his players around him talk to him. Like he's in a chair, just like he's in a mental zone. 
Is that that? Because we don't go in the NFL locker room prior to the game. It's after the game of the NFL. You do it in Major League Baseball after, but it's real brief. Uh, is that the same way for quarterbacks, or is that just something that maybe is a little different? Uh, is, are they dialed in like that? Uh, uh, yeah, they all have their routines. Like, um, like I had the, probably the most unique one I ever had was um, Steve McNair. Okay, he would literally take a nap. No, he'd literally before the game. He would take a couple of towels and roll them up big like a pillow, and he would just take a nap. I mean, I'm talking, you know, sawing wood. They're cutting Z's, just snoring away. And, power nap. Um, power nap. Yeah, power nap right before. And, you know, first couple of times I, I, told, I told Jeff one time, I says, is he going to make it? I mean, do we need to throw, need to throw water on him? No, no, you know, it'd be good, you know. But uh, um Kozar was, I mean, you go through different guys, had little different routines, but they all do. Um, it's, you kind of want to, you let guys kind of enter their moment. I think you let them go through their warm up routine. And a lot of people think it's the big speech before you go out. And it's, if it's a long speech, you know, you're in trouble. You know, it better be a couple of messages because they're ready to go. And if it's, you know, if they're prepared correctly, they're, they're ready to go. Well, one of these days we'll get a, a locker room guy on because it's it's kind of funny, all these different superstitions. Like, you know, they got to have oh, their yeah. cleats like this. And I'm sure it's this way for football, but it's like, you know, you got to have them lined up. And there's even baseball players, I know it is for football, they'll come in and take a shower before the real game and change in a complete yeah. different uniform and different shit. It just, it's, it's weird to see all that preparation. Oh, a certain, a certain shirt that you put underneath your shoulder yes, pads. And it yes. could be like a, I don't know. It could be a, whatever, a shirt with a 20 holes in it, but it's just, it's the one that I gotta have that like that, you know, and, and then just little things like, you know, certain people, you know, gotta have coffee. Uh, and, and a little extra caffeine before to, to get them going. Or um, there's this, here's the other thing that, that people, there's this huge bowl thinking of trick or treat, like think of a big old trick or treat, you know, and it's filled with gum. And it's like, you know, it, it's certain types like Sean Payton. I know Sean, he likes juicy fruit gum. And it's like, I've seen him when, where somebody makes a mistake and it's a stick of spearmint. And he will take that out like, like you just put the nastiest thing. It's like in it, I said, bleepity bleep, juicy fruit gum. I mean, just like little things like that. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of superstitions, but I think I think baseball. It's don't step on the third baseline sure. going in or out. And right. I don't think we have that too much, but yeah, you know how you do that, and you know what you say. A, a lot of guys eat the same thing pregame meal. Um, which could be, you know, marinara and pasta at 6 a.m. If it's, you know, if it's a morning, you know, it's just, it's just kind of whatever your routine is. That's Chris Landry. Let's go to phone calls here, and we'll try Tom. Tom, uh, you're on with Chris Landry. Tom, I hope all is well. Everything's good, Ryan. How are y'all? Thank, hey. thank you for my call, hey, Tom. Chris. Thanks, Tom. How are you? Calling. I'm doing great. Yeah, man. Thanks for calling. I, I always uh, – I really enjoy Wednesday stuff. Uh, the Alabama scouting report. I, I appreciate uh, your work. Well, thank you. Appreciate you listening. Uh, I got a question, though. I want to ask you something. Now, I, I, look, if you talk X's and O's, you're over my head. Okay? I'm John Key fan, by the way, in case you never met John Key fan. I'm John <laughs> okay. Key fan. 
And okay. uh, I don't know Sprout, but uh, I do have questions. And uh, my question is about Alabama. You know, through the season, this team has been really interesting to me because there's time, uh, for example, at Florida, we go out there and we kill them. 21 to nothing before the half, right? And right. Uh, and then we, we kind of, I don't know what happened. But uh, anyway, Florida makes a game out of it. Uh, the Tennessee game, another example I wanted to use is they come in, they're averaging 250 yards a game rushing. And, and we, just, we just shut them down and, uh, and, and stop their rushing attack. And, uh, of course, it was other weird things that happened in the game. Here's my question. We're sitting here watching Alabama play at times as good as we think they can play. We think, man, this team, they can go all the way. And then there's other times you go, have they ever played football before? And, uh, <laughs> and you're, scr- you're scratching your head. But, Chris, uh, I think that this team, if it all comes together, this could be a very dangerous football team. I agree with you. I think you're more uh, perceptive than you give yourself credit for, first of all. No, um, no. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it is a little perplexing watching them myself, and I can tell you that coaching staff is a little perplexed. I think there's a – and this is not excuses, it's just reality. There are a lot of young guys, and when you have younger guys, you <laughs> – you don't know what you're getting. I mean, it's it's a lot of inconsistency because you sometimes put things in and they don't handle it well. And what I mean by that, it's not just all well they got a bad attitude. No, it's it's they're trying hard, but they're not as comfortable. There's not they're not you know, sometimes when you have veteran leadership, they've been through enough practices and games to know how to run things a certain way and to make adjustments. And when you're younger guys, sometimes there is a little bit of a fear for, I don't want to be the one to screw it up. I don't want to make the mistake. And a lot of what happens is, is I use, I say this all the time. You never are the same. If you beat the same team, if you beat different teams 30 to nothing every week, it doesn't mean you're the same. You will look a little bit different when you put it under the microscope of the film but it's how you're able to adjust. And, you know, I, I always will say, and I listen, I get it. Um, as a coach, we, we, I, criticism is valid, fair. But, uh, you know, I would ask this is that if coaches do a really good job one year, do you think they're getting lazy or taking stupid pills the next? Sometimes it, the variable is the players just don't handle it quite as well. And everything's relative to who you're playing. Like, for example, I thought Florida did a good job, but I thought Alabama was a little bit confused defensively because Florida was running tempo and and Alabama got out of their gaps. Well, I thought they made great adjustments. I thought they did a great job against an Ole Miss offense that's very good. As you just mentioned, did a good job against Tennessee. But in other games, there's stretches within the game where they don't adjust quite as well. Why is that? It's a great question. I don't have the magical answer. And I can tell you they don't have it inside that coaching because if they had it, it would be fixed. It's a constant trying to teach and coach and get them to understand because football is a lot of 
game of adjustments, but your players are going to have to be able to absorb it and understand it. And a lot of times when you try to make adjustments, you're, you're limited to what they can handle. And, and I always like to say this, and I use the complimentary football term, so let me explain for people who maybe don't get that, is when you can be good on offense and sustain the football, you have maximum time for your defense to rest and maximum time to go over adjustment between series. When you don't have that time, you're going back out there again, you're not as rested, and you don't have as much time to make adjustments. So therefore, that leads to kind of a deleterious effect to where you're constantly kind of, you know, trying to push a snowball uphill as opposed to pushing it downhill. And I think that's happened with this team. And look, I don't think they're as deep or as dominant on the defensive line. And I think they've got some issues on the offensive line. So I think they're working through it. I think they're really a good team. I don't know if they're good enough to beat Georgia, but I think they're trying to figure out what is it that this team could maximize so that we can build towards the end of the season for a run. I think that's why this is going to be a fun stretch, even though I expect them to win their last four games, is how they do it and how they progress. Tom. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Tom. Hope thank you, you, Tom. Yep. Uh, and we, we'll go back to phone calls here in, in just a couple of seconds. But um, I want to go back to Auburn here for just a couple of seconds. Um, how much is this team getting better? Now, I know they caught Ole Miss and – they were without some of their mm-hmm. wide receivers and offensive linemen and tight end and Matt Corral. But uh, this team looks – they get on to me when I say this, but it they look like they're getting a lot better. Uh, is that showing up on the film? Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, this is a team that really struggled against Georgia State. Why? A lot of guys that were – you know, there's, they're trying to prove that offensive line, they, they were struggling. Um, a couple of things that are really different. They're so much better coached in a lot of areas, but the offensive line, Ryan, the use of tight ends so much better. They didn't use it under Gus. They're using it and having a positive effect in both the run and pass game. Um, they made a change at receiver coach. And I understood why. I, I think that Brian took um, or, or, or agreed to keep a guy that he that he realized during the season they they weren't getting it done. Now, I, they're not overly talented at receiver, but they were really poorly aligned. It probably cost them the Penn State game with mental errors at receiver. So they're better there. Now, a lot of it is they combine all of that with what can Bo Nix do and what he can't do. Hey, you know what? This guy with a clean pocket, or we get him rolled out, he, we use his mobility. We 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 uh, do a lot of half rolls and a lot of boots and waggles. Hey, give him some high-low reads, make some plays, play extensions, teach our receivers to work back to the quarterback. So even so, if our receivers can't win off the line of scrimmage or in the route, then you know what? Have the quarterback roll out to give them more time to work back, circle back, and make a play. They are taking what they have and are really doing a good job of coaching it. So, yes, they're better. D- does it mean that they're going to win out? Heck, I think A&M's more talented. So I think winning this week with A&M coming off a bye, I think that's a tough game. I think Mississippi State's a tough game. I think, obviously, Alabama's a tough game. So I don't know that, oh, they're better. And, you know, like people are saying, well, they went out and they win all their games that can go to the playoffs. No, they're not. They're not that type of team. They're not that 
good of a team. But when you go from where they were, where they probably had a great chance, if if they go back and played, well, if they go back and play Penn State now, they'd beat them by 17 points. But you know, they're they're a better team. Um, they're 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 coaching. The, it's and again, when you coach well, it takes time for it to take root. Kind of like we just talked with Alabama. It's like okay, you got to build one practice and one meeting and one game off of another, off of another, off of another. It's like planning in a garden. You can plan it, but it's not going to grow tomorrow. You got to water it. You got to, and then all of a sudden it bears fruit. And in the coaching vernacular, you start to see that get a little bit better. I absolutely see it on tape. I think it's a good job. I think he's probably done as good a job as uh, if I had to vote today, he'd be the coach of the year in the league. Um, well, I don't know. I think maybe Kirby's done a really good job too. We don't give enough credit for the guys that actually win, but I think the turnaround that Brian's done has been as good as anybody. I, I'll say that, but we'll see. I, I still think that there may be two to three more losses left on their schedule, at least roster wise. We'll see what they do. That's Chris Landry. When we come back, I'm going to ask him about the college football selection committee rankings that were released last night uh, that involves Georgia, Alabama, Michigan state, and Oregon. Uh, and I'll have to give Seth Emerson uh, this because he put it out. Uh, you know, it's all right there in front of us, but kind of seeing it, former assistant coaches under Nick Saban right there in that top four. Uh, the system works, and there's proof of it right there. We're talking to Chris Landry. This is the Alabama Scouting Report. All right, so we welcome you right back to the Alabama scouting reporting involving an in-state team. Uh, Pete Thamel's reporting the Conference USA has uh, invited Liberty Jacksonville State, New Mexico State, which will be Alabama's opponent next week, and then Sam Houston enjoying the league. Uh, just something that, uh, from a local perspective, a couple of hours north, and this would be a huge move for Jacksonville State to uh, to get into conference. And you look at a little small program that has built their way up. So just something to kind of throw out there, uh, Chris. I'm not really sure if you have a reaction to that, but uh, hey, anytime a little small school like that makes a jump, uh, that's big news. Uh, getting an invitation uh, to a decent conference. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to jump on you. Uh, yeah, gr- great for them. And, man, has anybody suffered more than Conference USA sure. with all of this? Man, I mean, you know, the the old, you know, what runs downhill. I mean, the, the Big 12 jumped up and took the AAC, and the AAC went, and now it's the Sun Belt that's the better. It's just leaped ahead of Conference USA, and Conference USA is just trying to – literally trying to survive. But that's great. Uh, that's great for Jacksonville State. All right, so let's go to this college football playoff uh, committee. Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State in the top five. Cincinnati on the outside at six. Michigan, seven. Oklahoma, eight, nine. Wake Forest, ten. Notre Dame. Uh, did, did you like the playoff rankings? you think they're fair? I, I don't put a whole lot of stock or concern about it to the end. Sure. It's going to change. Um, I have a hard time really knowing what they're doing, how they're doing it. And you're not going to really please everyone. See, people have always asked me, well, who looks the best when you look at film? Well, that that could be different than who's the most deserving. And um, 
here's my takeaway. Uh, Cincinnati really has no path to make it unless everybody just implodes in front of them and leaves a spot. Just they don't. And, and Wake Forest doesn't have a path. Not that I'm saying that they should. I'm just saying they don't. Um, don't worry about Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, and the Big 12 championship game. If they win out, they're in. No doubt. Now, I'm not saying they are in the way they're playing. They better play better or they're not winning out. But that's kind of a one of those to where, and I don't know, I'm not saying they're doing it this way, Ryan, but they put them there and it's like, well, you had them there to begin with. Well, no, they, they dropped them down to eight and they're going to let them earn it. And so they're going to get in if they win out. But if they don't win out, hey, so much. I think what's interesting is, okay, Michigan State, Ohio State. Well, that's going to take care of itself, right? They're going to play one another. And I think the loser's going to be out um, because, obviously, the the loser's not going to play in the championship game of the Big Ten. I think Georgia could lose a game to Alabama and still get in. Um, I think Oregon – is going to have to not only win out, but probably do it impressively to hold off Ohio State. In other words, if it's Ohio State and Oregon, and you got to decide between the two, and both are twelve and one in conference champions, and Oregon just pounds people the rest of the way, and Ohio State looks sloppy, I think Oregon could hold off Ohio State. But right now, I think what they're saying is, okay, we're going to honor the head-to-head, but then. If they jump Ohio State over Oregon, it's, well, the whole body of work, you see. So I think that's kind of how I see it. And I don't think there's a whole lot of teams that control their own path. Uh, Alabama's one of them. You know, certainly Georgia is. I would say Michigan State is. I just, you know, controlling your path and having the ability to win out are two different things. I'll say this. This is a little bit off topic, but it kind of is. I'm not a big prediction guy look out this week michigan state going to west lafayette that's a purdue defense that plays hard plays well and you can throw the football on this michigan state secondary if you get time and look just look out there that a big win michigan state's biggest rival is michigan michigan's biggest rival is ohio state so that's big game big win I think this is that's gonna that's gonna tell me a lot about Mel having his team ready to play. I think he will, but that's gonna be interesting. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I see it. I I think we kind of know who has a shot, who doesn't, and I think we pretty much can figure out where the, you know, I think Cincinnati could get jumped by. I mean, let's just say Oklahoma State or Baylor, or you know, I think one of those teams if if they end up winning out, they they jump Cincinnati. I think I think Cincinnati is really not in a position to to be in there. I don't, unless everybody collapses in front of them. Chris, I saved this question for the last. Uh, you're involved uh, with the National Football League. You've been around it for a long time. Um, we all had to cover the tragedy yesterday of Henry Ruggs and, you know, a terrible mistake. Uh, you feel for the victim. You feel for him. Uh, the guilt that he'll travel with um, – what do you what do you do? Is is there a system there? Because I know that you know when you look at the Raiders cutting ties and all the different things there, is there a system in place for support? Because you know psychological man, he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna go through a lot uh, in the, in the coming years, legal battles. But uh, 
Is there a system in place for support? Not that that's my number one concern, but it does cross my mind that he'll have to live with that guilt for the rest of his life. There is. Um, you know, um, he will have to go through a lot legally and in, in what could be facing him. If all the reports from the crime scene investigators are true. It's, it's, uh, it's scary to think that he would put his own life and anyone's life in that type of jeopardy. And it's also amazing that in this day and age with all the different resources to get rides and the, 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 the programs that are in place, Ryan, that every, every guy has a card that they can carry in their wallet. It's like a, a 1-800 number that regardless where you are, they can, it can reroute to either an Uber driver or a driver of some sort and get you a ride. So you, you should never get behind a car driving it that fast, sober or not sober, certainly under the influence is, uh, is awful. And it, it, it could have cost him his life as well. It cost someone a life, uh, and, and her pet dog, it, it just, it's awful. I, I don't know about his future, as you mentioned, emotionally, mentally, I don't know if you get over it, if you can ever come back from it. I don't know, you know, what this is going to mean for him in terms of the, the crime and the punishment and uh, you know I don't the legal part and all that that that'll be determined but yeah there there are going to be avenues to try to to help the young man and um to deal with what happened uh I just to we talk a lot about tragedies and we talk about it in a goofy football sense this is a tragedy sure this is a tragedy uh, on so many levels so much was lost, starting with the loss of a life, foolish loss of a life, a risky loss that may put his life in his career, in his future, in jeopardy. And for what? For what? I mean, and yet we have to – and this happens a lot, Ryan. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen in the result like this, but a lot of guys take this risk. It's not going to happen to me. I can do it. I got this neat little ride that I want everybody to see. <sighs> Why, Henry? Why? I mean, it's it's a little too late to be asking that, but I just keep thinking, why? So much has been lost. It's it's heartbreaking on so many levels. Um, it's been a tough week. You know, that's clearly on a different level but you know calvin ridley's decided to sure. step aside a little bit and derrick henry's dealing with a physical injury yeah it's been a tough week for alabama guys but nothing nothing matches that i was just beyond shocked um and i'm still am a little bit it's still not quite registering even though i've written about it and on landryfootball.com and have it in the notebooks i still don't quite fully believe it Tell me about LandryFootball.com and everything that you guys are able to offer there. Well, you know, we, we cover all the news. So whether it's, you know, Odell Beckham's future in the Browns and what's going on there, whether it's the details and practices around uh, the, the country in college football and getting ready for the games this weekend, recruiting the draft, you name it, we got it all for you. The film room breakdowns, um, obviously breaking down what happened in the games last weekend, breaking down what's coming up this weekend, all the podcasts everything for you it's like having your own magazine uh, 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 uh scouting department coaching department for less than a magazine subscription so if you like football you're gonna love landryfootball.com that's what we say that's our motto and um so check it out 
A lot of stuff. We think you'll love it. Chris Landry, I appreciate you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for being a part of our show. Thank you. Appreciate you.